0: Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM, 87.6, 87.8 or 88, right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You're with the double L team, Lyle, and... Lawson!
1: Lawson, what are you thankful for this morning? Um, let's see. It wasn't raining this morning when I drove here. It wasn't? It wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't. It's completely dry. You didn't put your wipers on? Not at all. Never once. Like literally not once.
0: I don't ever remember that happening.
1: I was driving. Actually,
0: we did. We did several years ago. We had this thing called the drought. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's right. What, well, dude? I was driving around the uni yesterday when this massive storm blew over in Newcastle. It was, like so thick that you know you've got your wipers all the way on and you still can't really see. Yes. And there's like the gutters are just turned into rivers and everything. It was wild. And so I wonder if any damage so has gone much down. Much flooding, but um. But, yeah, and then I'd wake up this morning, i jump in my car to come to radio and it's completely dry. Uh, it's so I guess that's something to be grateful
0: for. It's something to be very grateful yeah. for. Indeed
1: it is. Mm-hmm. What are you grateful for?
0: Uh, I've got a uh, – I'm grateful that I'm, I'm selling parts off a car that I have in my yard. <laughs> But the problem is I can't get out there because
1: people, they text me like, have you got
0: this? And I'm like, have I got that? Well, but it's raining outside. What am I going to
1: do? I can't go out and check. Oh, that's tough. Uh, Oh, sorry, La, that your entrepreneurial endeavours were affected by the weather. I need to get
0: rid of it. It needs to be gone. It's taking up space.
1: (laughs) Oh, Oh, I thought you meant the weather. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Is the breakfast show, and uh, we're about to get into our quiz, Lawson. Let's have it. All right, the first 100 point question for our pentathlon quiz. Joseph's got talent. Well, okay, let me. <laughs> this is a multiple choice question. Actually, this is this is interesting. Okay, Joseph's got talent. What was his special talent? Was it a fighting, b interpreting dreams, c writing songs, or d stand up comedy? 491 is the number to call. Have you guys been watching America's Go Talent or something? Is that what this is? But 491 is the number to call if you know the answer. For 100 points, you can net yourself a Faith FM bookmark and bumper sticker. Or you can get those 100 points on the board if you get every single question correct. You can win every single qu- prize. But again, multiple choice, guys. This is a special one right here. Joseph's Got Talent. What was his special talent? Was it A, fighting B, interpreting dreams C, writing songs or D stand-up comedy.
0: Uh hint.
1: It's not D. Man, imagine if he was a stand-up comic though. It's like just, he's just up there in front of the front of the pharaohs, just like this up. I, I don't think there is crazy. one anywhere in the Bible. Stand-up comics. I, I don't think there's one in the Bible. Elijah says some pretty funny stuff.
0: There's some funny stuff in. Yeah, the Yeah, there's that's some right. hilarious stuff in the Bible. Yeah. There's some, there's some. I don't some know that somebody, I don't think there's anyone in the Bible that had it for a
1: job. Yeah, that's right. But one of my favorite lines, um, and I don't know if this is. Comedic or just insulting where Daniel in Daniel chapters 2 he's like and you called all your magicians and astrologers and Chaldeans to tell you the dream and they couldn't do anything but then he's like but there is a God in heaven who yeah, yeah, yeah. you know and he's like 18 secret. years old when he yeah, says yeah and he just calls all these guys out they're like they do, they could not interpret your dream because they don't know anything
0: or Elijah when he's on Mount Carmel you know yeah. you mentioned Elijah when he goes on Mount Carmel and he's like yeah maybe you should guys should yell a little bit louder maybe he's sleeping or gone on his own. yeah that's when, it <laughs> Break this guy up or call him back from wherever he's, you know, is a bit of a dodgy guy you've got right He's
1: there. a bit unreliable, yeah, give him a call. But anyways, um, in positively different news, um, oh, I've, got a, I've got a few different stories here, but I also just want to talk about quickly, um, God is just really good. I, I just, like, every single day, uh, he's reminding me in, in the work that I'm doing that... Um, yeah, he is really working. And I've just been encountered by situations over the last two weeks of, you know, I work at the university campus as, as a Bible worker for the Newcastle University Adventist Church. Basically, my job is to teach people the Bible and find people who are interested in uh, studying the Bible. And the last time I, I talked about that, you know, we talked about doing beach outreach and whatnot and how we were going out to the beach and with a survey and... And just you know, asking people spiritual questions and making contacts from that. So now we're in the university campus, and we're not allowed to go around and survey people at all. Like we're just yes. we're just not. They're just like no. We used to be able to like for any club, but uh-huh. now if you're in any club, you're not allowed to survey people. You're not allowed to go around the 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 school grounds. If you want to talk to people, you know, about club your club or whatever, you have to set up a booth which you get approved by the student association. Um, but yeah, you're not allowed to just go around and, and do surveys with people, which was a primary method they were using when the campus was open to be able so did to this generate come interest. In because
0: of what you guys were doing.
1: No. Oh. Um, well, it, it came so in it, all the clubs were doing it. Yeah. Yeah. It, okay. it came in because of the change of the student association. Essentially. It went from one group to another group and this, Another this next group that's come in has brought in a lot of restrictions for every group, but also specifically for faith groups as well. They've kind of added a faith based section. But where that leads uh, leaves us is yeah, if we're allowed to do Bible studies on the campus. We're allowed to interact with people, but we can't just go up to people and you know with a piece of paper and ha- do a survey and have a spiritual conversation. can do a
0: formal a yeah formal thing
1: yeah. So. It's just kind of led to the situation where, um, Hannah, my coworker and I, um, we just, we go to the chaplaincy office cause she's a chaplain at the uni. We pray, uh, we have, you know, a few existing Bible studies throughout the day that we do. Um, and then, yeah, we pray and then we just walk around the campus and see if we know anyone. <laughs> And literally every time, like every single day we run into people that we know through a club or through just seeing around on campus or classmates or whatever it may be, we just run into them and then just chat with them. And then we're like, oh, do you want to do do Bible studies? Do you want to come to church? And they're like, yeah. And and they're (laughs) like, sweet. And so, so, well, yesterday uh, we had an example where, so uh, there's a couple of, uh, there's a Japanese club on campus and... Um, Hannah and I went a couple of weeks ago and then I went last week and I met these... There was uh, a bunch of like brand new Japanese exchange students there. Um, and so Hannah's
0: like, Japanese, but you're not Japanese.
1: I'm not Japanese, because but I went along. you me
0: the odd one out.
1: Yeah, that's right. I, 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 well, it's a Japanese English club, so there's like right. lots of white people there as well. Yes. Um, and the guy who runs it, I've kind of gotten to know over the last couple of weeks because then we meet up at another club, the music club, where I also go to meet people too <laughs> to, to, to give them the opportunity to do Bible. studies. He's done all the clubs, literally, and campus, literally get to know everybody. L- literally, that's and offer Bible studies. Yeah. That's right. And so last, uh, yesterday, um, so I went to, on Monday, I went to the Japanese English club and I met all these new Japanese students and I was like, I have this Japanese friend named Hannah, she, she lives here and, and, you know, she set up, these are all new students, they've all just moved to the area, they're all, you know either fresh out of high school or two years into uni like 1920 they don't really know what's going on in the place and i'm like yeah my friend hannah's lived here for years you should you should meet her and stuff and then they came along to the chaplaincy office yesterday this group of japanese girls and they talked to hannah and they just instantly make friends and then they're like Oh, and Hannah's like, Oh, do you guys want to hang out with us and come to church and stuff? And they're like, yes, please. We want to hang out with friends. That's and amazing. A- and it's like, yeah, we go bushwalking afterwards and, and have lunch and stuff. And they're like, yes, we just have nothing to do on the weekends. And we just, we just want to find friends. And it's just this situation of, it's so, it's so benevolent. Yes. Like it's, yes, there is some intentionality on, on, uh, the part of myself and Hannah. Like we are going to the campus every day and looking for people, but God is just working in all different ways and we just run into people and, and find opportunity. And yeah, from people who are already Christian and spiritually interested to people who are just Japanese and lonely, um, we have just been given such supreme opportunity to, to be able to reach them. And, and it's been working out in spite of those restrictions. So, um, It's even proved further. Like last time I talked about uh, outreach on the show, I talked about going to the beach, right? I talked about having the survey, and the reason we took a survey to the beach is because we then have, with the survey, you have an excuse to talk to people. It's like, hey, can I get your opinion on something? And then that kind of creates a spiritual conversation that ultimately leads to asking them if they're interested in doing Bible studies or coming to church, which works. Whereas, even our excuse to spend time with them has been taken away from us. You know, we don't have that survey anymore. So, we just walk around and hope that we find people interested to talk to us. We're not like walking up to everyone and having a conversation with them. We're just like, oh, maybe we might know someone and, and we'll see a group of people and a person that we know we'll walk up to them and start a conversation and then it will turn into this person's coming to church, this person's interested in Bible studies. Like, I, I really believe, you know, Hannah and I, we're not cool people. We're not like. We're not like. Su- uh, you're just. You
0: buy guys are a bunch of losers. <laughs> yeah, that's people. right. That's right. We're not. We're not like
1: cool people. We're not like, you know, um, attractive. And I mean that in. Not just in the look sense, but in every way. Like, we're not. I don't. We're, we're just Christians. We're just like... We're just Christians. That's all
0: you need to be. Because, we're, Christ, because Jesus Christ is attractive. What other attractiveness right. do you need other than
1: that? And so I'm really having the experience in my own ministry when Jesus says, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto myself. And obviously he was talking firstly about the cross, but also about the witness that those who followed him would do and would have. And yeah, my experience wholeheartedly is just being, we just walk around and lift up Jesus and attract people. That's like that's it. That is that is university ministry at the moment, and and it's like oh well, what are the it's fruits? Not like you
0: can go to the beach at the moment, is it? Yeah, that's right. It's like what three people down there yeah. that are super brave. <laughs> that's right, testing, but I get testing their testing their uh, themselves against the elements.
1: Yeah. I guess the question is, though, like, okay, you can walk around and and be a witness, and but what's the fruit from that? I think a lot of Christians get jaded because they struggle to see results, and I've totally been in that position as well, even as, like, a professional minister, as a professional Bible worker. Like, Mm -hmm. I've definitely had that struggle of, like, what's the point? Like, where is this going? Dude, I am inundated with Bible studies at the moment. I just have Bible studies every day. I um, actually have a story here about how people are um, people are less happy because of working hybrid hours. Like you know, it used to be a nine to five, and now that people can work whenever they want, they're actually less happy because they don't get to do work in their off time. Bro, that uh, like that is literally my life at the moment because I got Bible studies at all times throughout the day, and I'm waking up early for radio. Like I'm just everywhere all at once, all the time. Um, but instead of making me less happy, it's it's just it's the fruit of God's work. It's such a it's such a blessing.
0: Yeah, that's because you get to study the bible with people and get paid for it
1: that's yeah. i
0: mean it's like the ultimate right there. the
1: ultimate job yeah so i just wanted to share that with you guys like god is really working and really blessing and, and so i just pray for all of you guys you have the opportunity to to be a witness in your situation and so go go and do it you're listening to the breakfast show podcast on faith fm positively different Welcome back to Faith FM. We are continuing on with the show uh, for our 200-point quiz question right now. So, guys, the question is... What artifact did Moses use when performing miracles and wonders in Egypt? Another kind of Egypt location uh, question. We talked about Egypt Joseph before, and now we talk about Moses. 0491-064-669 is the number to call if you know the answer. For 200 points, you can win yourself an issue of Science Magazine or get your points on the board. Continue to work your way through the quiz. If you answer every question correctly, you can get every single prize. But again, that question was, What artifact did Moses use when performing miracles? Miracles and wonders.
0: Okay, so we have 822 millimeters of rain so far that has Ooh. fallen in Sydney, which is the that's on Observatory Hill, uh, right there in the centre of Sydney, more or less. This is the nearly a meter of
1: rain. Did you see the videos coming from um, the the tunnel, the M1 tunnel? I did not. It's literally, oh my, I'll, I'll, I'll show you it in the break. Maybe we can chuck it up on our Facebook. There's a, there's a video of people driving through the M1 tunnel and it's literally like a swamp. Like yes. it's like the water's like above the wheels.
0: <laughs> That's it's amazing. insane. Yeah. That's just an incredible amount of water, and of course, you know they're talking about the Hawkesbury. The Hawkesbury flooded just last year. Mm. Massive Hawkesbury floods last year, mm-hmm. and they're saying it's going to top last year's floods <sighs> this year. And it's kind of like, you know, what is this going to be an annual thing? You know, whenever El no, Nino or Nino, whichever it is, is uh, these kicks in. We, 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 the one that brings the rain. Whenever that kicks in, is we, are we just going to get yeah and. Annual flood, and do we actually need to migrate uh, our houses and businesses to high ground? Yeah, I think I think we do need to be starting to think about it.
1: I think rain's a feminine thing, so it's probably El Nino. <laughs> anyway, no, no, never mind. Um, but
0: uh, <laughs> whatever, you're the you're the person but who, that's who actually, spoke Spanish
1: for a couple. Of that, years. That's actually a really good question, though. Like, yeah, it is. I, I've seen a lot of people commenting, you know, about like Lismore, for example. Like Lismore, should they rebuild the town? That's right.
0: They're like, or turn it into a park. Dose it down, turn it into a park.
1: Because it's like we keep rebuilding and just getting flooded.
0: Yes. Mm. No, it's it's something we need to uh, we need to think about with the more extreme weather that we are getting. This is a sign of the times, and we need to prepare for the times in which we live. Mm. Uh, okay, so I did talk uh, say I would talk a lot about uh, Vladimir the Great this morning. Okay, interesting. So, of course, this is all about Russia and the Ukraine.
1: Okay. All right. All right. Because when you said Vladimir the Great, I'm like, okay, you're doing like a history thing. That's cool. But you're referring to like Vladimir the Great as in like Vladimir Putin? No. Oh, so you are doing a history (laughs) thing? (laughs) I'm going to do history. Ah, okay. (laughs) Wow. Get hyped, everyone. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Vladimir the Great. Um, Of course, in the Ukraine, he's known as Volodymyr.
1: Volodymyr. Because there's
0: a big difference between Vladimir and Volodymyr.
1: Uh huh. Uh,
0: But anyway, so basically what you've got this. On uh, you know 2016 Russian Unity Day, uh, a statue of Vladimir the Great was unveiled in Moscow. Mm. This is Saint Vladimir okay and the story of Saint Vladimir goes back to the rock to the Vikings. he was a Viking.
1: Oh wow okay
0: and a lot of people think of Vikings you know that, that went to the UK, that went to Iceland, Greenland, Canada, <laughs> places like that uh, went down the, the coast of France, they went down to Italy, those kind of places but the Vikings kind of went everywhere yeah. And they invaded the river systems of, uh, of Eastern Europe and mm. they went down all, through all of those ri- river systems. And you had two brothers called Askold and Dur uh, who captured uh, Kiev back in the day. There mm. were Vikings who captured Kiev. And of course, you look at a Viking ship, you know, it's shallow draft. Yeah. It's perfect for river navigation. Mm. Uh, they captured Kiev. They had a son, or wh- wh- one of them had a son named Ingvar who was known as Igor because, you know, by the time they've been living there for a number of years, they're starting to, you know, become more Slavic in their mm. language and the way they pronounce things and so forth. Okay, so Igor or Ingvar has uh, a son name by, by the name of Sivastolosav, Slav? A I love sister, it. That guy, who has a son by the name of Vladimir. So we come to Vladimir. And in the year 988, Vladimir oh. is ruling in Kiev, and he is deciding what religion he's going to follow. Mm. Up until this point, he has been worshipping the Viking god Perun. Okay. So that was, their, that was the god that they were worshipping there in the east, and, of course, this is a very large Viking. And, by the way, they were called Rus, the Rus people. The Rus? Yes, the Rus.
1: So they... because the
0: word Rus means rowers, uh huh, and and you look at a Viking ship, you row a Viking ship, yeah, they were
1: rowers. So the 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 Rus people,
0: the Rus people, and That's why rowers,
1: we... ro- rowers are always they're rowers, Ru-
0: they're Rus, they're Russians,
1: and rowers Russian. are always rushing around. Uh, <laughs> they're rushing on. down the rivers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, but this is where we get the modern uh, concept of Russia from. So okay. there, were, there were all kinds of different Slavic people that were living through this, uh, you know, the steppe people and so mm. forth that were living all through this area. But the Vikings have come through and they have started to unite it. Uh, they're called Russ and so we have Russian from there. Okay, so he decides that, okay, we've been serving Perrin for a long time. Let's uh, see what will be the best religion for us at this time. And so he looks out to Western Europe and... He you know, called in different religious leaders from Western Europe to come and explain their religions so that he can choose one. Uh, he rejected Islam. He was kind of keen on Islam because of the 72 virgins, but then there was no pork or alcohol, so that was out. Uh, he rejected Judaism because Judaism had a very, very strong connection to the land, mm. and they'd lost their land. So he's like, well, that looks bad for you guys. Mm. Um, so they were out. Uh, he looked at the Roman Catholic Church. They were kind of a bit too far away. They were a bit too austere. They were a bit too boring. And then he looked at the Byzantine Church and they offered him a bride. Oh. Which could also be called a bribe.
1: But ultimately the women got him in the end. That's right. Yeah.
0: Um, and it made a whole bunch of sense to have an alliance with a near neighbour, you know, geographically mm-hmm. and so forth. And the Byzantines were super keen on it. And so he's like, yeah, we'll join the Byzantine Church, which Mm -hmm. is what became the Orthodox Church. And so in the year 988, uh, he goes back to Kiev with his bride. Uh, He pronounces Christianity. He takes the statue of Perrin, drags it through the river, uh, knocks it down, gets rid of it, um, and insults Perrin, and then has a mass baptism in the river, Mm -hmm. Uh, basically... uh, Everybody got baptised under threat of extermination if you were not baptised. <laughs> you were an enemy of uh, Vladimir if you were not baptised. And so the Rus were converted, and, of course, with the conversion of the Rus, that's le- that that then goes through the Slavic people. Uh, he later became canonised as a saint, so he became Saint Vladimir. Well, he did such a... killed an- everybody who did not want to become a... Orthodox Christians. Well, think about how many
1: Orthodox people were converted at, th- at that moment. Like, you got to be sanct- sanctified at that time, yeah, right? March,
0: and march them in, into one side of the river and out the other side, and they're all baptized. <laughs> okay, but what it did was that uh, they had their liturgy, of course, was uh, translated into Cyrillic letters and into the Russian language. Uh, you had uh, Greek literature that was translated into, into the Slavic language. Mm-hmm. But now the question is that everybody's fighting over is who does St. Vladimir belong to? He was based in Kyiv, which the Ukrainians say, well, he was clearly Ukrainian.
1: Ah.
0: But his statue is in Moscow and that was unveiled in 2016 and that was kind of because they're like, well, he's Rus,
1: so therefore he's Russian. All oh, this is you know, this is a big dispute now. Obviously, it's a massive
0: dispute, and this is these, these are some of the religious undertones that you see coming through in this current conflict. Mm. And what a lot of people are not reporting on is the split that this has created. So the Ukrainians get upset by this, and they're like, "Well, we're pulling away," and they cease to be part of the uh, Russian Orthodox Church in the year two thousand and nineteen. So mm. you know, a couple of years later, they're like, "Yep, no, nah, we're out of here," and they form their own church and create full communion with the Vatican. Mm which then gives Vatican support to the Ukrainian church, but the Russians are still saying, well, this guy was Russian, so we have him as a Russian saint, and the Ukrainians are saying, "Like, well, he was based in Kiev. But the thing is that Russia didn't exist back then, neither did Ukraine. Mm. So it's a little bit like you know having an argument over, was Alexander the Great Macedonian or Greek? <laughs> yeah. Let's not get started there. And everybody, either side wants to claim him. I don't know why either side would claim him because he was a... Psychopathic monster that oh, was a serial arsonist to burnt down the world.
1: I have friends who are Macedonian, and this, Yo, is, their, this is this is, this is, their this, is their, this is their hill, bro. This is where they die. Yes,
0: absolutely, <laughs> and the Greeks likewise. Or you know, in Australia, Mary McKillop, was she Scottish or Australian? You know are we going to have that argument and we're going to go to war over that argument mm. people will go out, go to war over these things so it's interesting to look at some of the background and we're going to continue uh here on the breakfast show from time to time to look at the religious background as to you know what is actually taking place in the war in Ukraine because there is a very strong religious undercurrent do not be deceived there is more religion involved in this than what you think and there is this is always the case when it comes to warfare and armed conflict.
1: You're listening to The Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different.
0: You're listening to The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM, and we're about to get into interview of the day before we do the 300-point question for our quiz. Is this an Egypt one as well? I I guess you could say
1: it's related to Egypt. Okay. Yeah, you'll know when you hear it.
0: Like it's in the world somewhere. Yeah.
1: Who was Egypt the first Israel. high priest of Israel?
0: Oh, that's definitely related. Very much related, Very to, much Egypt. related to Egypt.
1: 0491-064-669 Z- right. is the number to call for 300 points. You can win yourself a pocket sermon, <coughs> or you can just get your points on the board and work your way through the quiz. But again, that question was, who was the first high priest of Israel?
0: Well, joining us on the phone this morning, as always, on a Wednesday is David Haupt, who normally talks to us about emotional health, But David has another role dealing with, obviously, times of crisis like this uh, where we see with all of these floods and so forth. And David's kind of found himself, well, I guess you might describe it, ground zero for the floods. David, welcome to the show.
2: Good morning, gentlemen, from a very wet uh, northern part of our uh, New South Wales.
0: Okay, so we're starting to get smashed down here in the (laughs) south now. Uh, You guys are starting to recover somewhat up there in the north. Can you give us a bit of a picture, a bit of a description of what it has been like since we spoke last week? Last week you were struggling to find food, you were cooking food in the backyard, Um, you were travelling to a high point to be able to get mobile reception. Are things starting to get back to normal yet?
2: Uh, How how do you call things normal while it still looks like a war zone? Uh, But... Yes, well, uh, the water has receded in, uh, in most of the areas. Life is uh, fairly, uh, fairly normal in inverted commas because uh, people are still struggling with food. Um, people are, as, as I traveled yesterday through uh, most of the territory, cleanup is fast moving forward. There's big machinery. The military has moved in with their trucks as well, personnel, uh, you know, visiting homes and helping people still to try and carry stuff out. But um, as you travel uh, through, you just see the devastation. Um, the the smell of, you know, rotting stuff that people have thrown out. That um, It is heaps of rubbish. It looks honestly as if a tornado had gone through. But slowly but surely, the machinery is starting to pick some of those things up. Uh, the the human response was enormous. Uh, we've seen young people traveling from far and near we just come. We, we were, for instance, my church was completely flooded, and um, we were three men trying to because I, I'm serving a, a fairly small church. But uh, we were three men trying to pull up the carpet that was completely covered in mud, and four young people walked in, and you know, uh, one of them made a phone call. Another eight walked in, and. Jobs were done very quickly and uh, people stop us in the middle of the road and ask, do you people need medical supplies? We've traveled all the way from Brisbane down to, uh, to your area because we just, we can't sit in our homes while we, we realize that people are living in devastation. There's some areas that still hasn't got power. There's areas that still struggle. I still talk to you on a a single bar on my mobile phone. Um, So, while at my own home, electricity has been restored, internet was only restored the day before yesterday, and that is very weak at this point. But uh, the human spirit moves on, and um, yeah, we, I I just see the enormity that people are willing to sacrifice in order to help the fellow man. And that's a great blessing.
0: It is a fantastic blessing. And, you know, I've, I, I know, you know, uh, when we've seen some big disasters happen in the United States, friends of mine over there who were, you know, tradies would just you know, load up their ute and actually cross the entire continent um, yeah. with their tools to go and help people. And it's yeah. amazing to see the same thing happening here in Australia and to appreciate the goodness that there is in the heart of people and the Holy Spirit working on people's hearts to bring that goodness out
2: David yeah. I'm wondering about yeah. the
0: uh, the response of faith-based communities of course um, you work with um, Adventist community services which uh, you know provides for these kinds of emergencies what has your role been and and what is the role of the Adventist Church what is what has our church been doing? Um, in, in this particular
2: area? Well, I'm director for two of our faith-based agencies. The one is Adventist Community Service that really activates the local church to respond as well as AGRA, which is um, across the board. Uh, Adventist Community Service only operates in North New South Wales, while AGRA operates uh, in the entire Australia. And um, before the first raindrops uh, fell, Adventist Community Service already alerted our pastors to activate their churches because the flood is coming. Adra has in the meantime moved in and uh, we've looked at the needs of our churches in order to respond and has already made money available. And so we're in the process at nine o'clock this morning, we're actually allocating money to uh, those churches But we've also uh, traveled through our entire uh, uh, territory that has been impacted, and just from our church's perspective, uh, we don't discriminate, uh, we, we don't just serve our own people, we serve anyone in the community that is in need. So Ocean Shores Church was the, the area around them, they are situated in uh, Golden Beach, they were, uh, in the, they were one of the first ones to be evacuated, Tumbulgan was the first one, Tumbulgan Church, by the way, opens up their facility for the community, and a lot of their uh, community's cars are parked because the church is on higher ground. Ocean Shores accommodated over 70 people. Uh, in the church building of of the community, not just uh, open the doors for people to sleep, but they also fed them there and There is still a few people uh, after uh the majority has already gone home, still people living there being supported there in in the church uh, in the news have been the devastation at Lismore uh, I visited the area yesterday and like in my own church territory in Mullumbimby, it is like a war zone as if uh, a bomb had gone off there. But our church was center stage, the The area where the SES dropped people off uh, from the boats um, was right there, nearly at the doorstep of the church. And uh, the pastor, although uh, they were not um, seconded to this role, uh, saw these people staggering out of the boats, waiting there in the rain for a pickup to the evacuation center, stepped over to the people and said, come into the protective area of the church. And um, his wife phoned him at that point and she said, do you need hot soup? Uh, he said, I'm here with stacks of people. Uh, please, can you, can you arrange? And multiple of our members started to cook soup. But they brought it down. There was no power. And, um uh, they, uh, fed the people there. And yesterday, this is, you know, a week after the flood already started, there are people still gathering there. Food parcels are being run from the church into the community. And, uh, they opened up their op shop and actually brought their op shop right above into the church hall and people can go through and they just select clothing that they want. It's not sold. It is given for free. And then here's where a blessing comes. So often, op shops don't want to open up their doors because, you know, we're there to, to, sell, to make money in order to serve something. But as I spoke about it to merit yesterday, they are actually receiving more in return than what they're giving out, uh, because of uh, people just being so appreciative, uh, and uh, p- uh businesses come to them and say, we want to donate money for this work. Um, and yeah, my own church, we've activated with all, although the water has been through the church, um, we've ripped up the carpets, uh, pushed all the stuff that was damaged out, it's basically an empty shell. And um, we've got medical staff, uh, nurses, that started to look after people there. We're feeding people. We uh, brought in washing machines. Our washing machine for the op shop, shop has been destroyed. So we went and bought with AgriMoney Money uh, an industrial washing machine. And uh, while the old people can't get into town where a washing uh, facility has been set up, uh, our teams go out into the community, especially with the older people. They bring their, their washing with the old person. And while the washing is, is being washed, they sit down, they connect with them, we do debriefing, psychological debriefing with them, and, um, feeding them right there, having something nice to drink, and the, the human spirit is alive, and, um, the, the devastation has activated a major problem and that is psychological, traumatic impact on people. So at the moment, I'm busy negotiating with Agra for us. My specialisation for my master's degree was in uh, trauma and group therapy to develop a program to actually help our people. Kingscliff Church is working with other church denominations because they are on higher ground. And just over the weekend, uh, close to a thousand volunteers were sent out from. Uh, Kingscliff Church into the community to help. It is a hive of of, of busyness there at Kingscliff Church as they are serving the community. It's become the place where people come to when they've got needs.
0: David, it is absolutely inspiring to hear the story and to hear what the churches are doing up there. Um, As we face similar situations in uh, Greater Sydney, uh, or potentially uh, also here in the Hunter, there's you know flood aw- alerts out for Singleton and so forth right now. What should our churches and our pastors, our ministers, priests, whatever in this area, uh, be thinking about, and what should they be gearing up for, so that we can get ahead of this and not have to react to it? That we can be proactive, um, you know, as the rain really hits hard down here in the south.
2: Andrew has got a program uh, called. Uh, disaster-ready churches and I would strongly recommend that our churches engage with that and uh, sign up go through the training so that we actually when we hear the news that there's a potential development of a flood that we are ready to care for our own people as well as go and immediately respond to the needs of the community and support um, it, it is vital uh, Australia um, spends 80% of its disaster response money in the disaster, once a disaster has been 20% in preparation. Uh, in the Netherlands, where they are regularly impacted by floodwaters and water that overflow their country, they spend 80% in preparedness and 20% in disaster recovery. And I think we can learn a lesson from the, the people from Netherlands in our churches to actually think through a plan in which we can be ready to activate our church members to reach out into the community and be ready when a disaster is like... Um, the the uh, mapping of disasters show that... Uh, disasters would make landfall, especially uh, cyclones, will make landfall closer to the New South Wales area, southern Queensland in the future than what it did in the past. So a- as a student of Bible prophecy, I know that disasters will become more mm-hmm. uh, as, as we go to the end of this world. So I would suggest that our churches should actually be disaster ready, prepared, to move in straight away when uh, things happen, not wait for agencies to step in.
0: Yeah, absolutely, David. I also wonder. I, I hear about uh, you know the ADRA Disaster Ready Churches uh, system that you've, you've got there with ADRA, and I'm wondering about you know so many of our smaller churches that are non-denominational churches that are independent churches that don't have access to a system you know like a big denominational church like the Adventist Church does. Uh, if they come to you for help, can you coordinate with them? Can you uh, enable, you know, some of these smaller uh, non-denominational churches to become disaster ready as well? Can that be be done through the work that you're doing there with ADRA and uh, Adventist Community Services?
2: That that can definitely be done because in a disaster you cross the boundaries of any denominationalism, and uh, we need to be proactive. Uh, and uh, as what's happening at the moment at Kingscliff the the churches are working together for their community and uh, that is the ideal to, to be able to work in that way so if uh, denominations would like to make contact with us I can arrange that through ADRA we can do training or when we do training in their area we can actually invite them to come along the, the psychological impact is enormous I've already been contacted by uh, other church denominations, knowing that uh, we're running depression, anxiety, recovery training programs, uh, where they put up their hand and ask, "Can you people train us as well?" And the answer is a definite yes. We're more than happy to do that.
0: David has uh, been, has been, yeah. Th- th- thank you. We are running out of time here, unfortunately, but uh, just want to encourage any of our listeners, whatever uh, faith that is that you're a part of, to get in contact with us: zero uh, four nine one zero six four six six nine. And, uh, and we will set up with you whatever help that we can. Thank you so much, David, for joining us.
2: Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.